Welcome to Battleground Politics. I'm Lauren Make. Pennsylvania Governor Josh Shapiro recently gave his budget address here at the rotunda of the Capitol in Harrisburg, where I am right now. He laid out how he wants to spend taxpayer dollars over the next year, and he's proposing some big investments. I sat down with him to talk about what his plans would look like, the negotiations ahead, and the 2024 presidential race here in Pennsylvania. Here's that conversation in his office here at the Capitol. Uh, Governor Shapiro, thanks so much for your time. We appreciate it. Good to be with you. So you gave your budget address here in this building this week. That's right. Now comes the tough part. Uh, you've got to come to an agreement with the House and the Senate here in the Capitol. Uh, what are negotiations going to look like this year? How will they be different from your first year? Look, I think I've proven to the good people of Pennsylvania, I know how to bring Democrats and Republicans together and get stuff done. And we're going to keep doing that. I'm going to work with Democrats and Republicans alike to uh, hear from them as to what they like about what we propose, what they could maybe offer a proposal that goes further or does something better. I'm all ears if they've got ideas they want to bring to the table. But the bottom line is we're in a position right now where we need to make investments in the good people of Pennsylvania in our education system, in public safety, and economic opportunity. We've got the resources available to do it. Now's the time to invest so we can excel. Last year, uh, there, was a, there was some negotiation. It, it took a while. Um, there was a sticking point with school vouchers. This year, you left the door open to that. I know mm -hmm. you still support them, uh, but you didn't put them in there. You kind of said, if you guys can work out a deal, then great. Uh, why? Uh, why was that something that you were just were you just not willing to fight for it this no, year? No, respectfully, I would just, and totally respectfully, just push back on that framing. I made clear that that's a priority of mine, to give poor kids and struggling school districts an opportunity to be successful. The Democrats in the House, um, who had some concerns about that in the past, said they were carefully studying the issue. Whether they want to do this as an example as a tax credit or a direct appropriation, what I said in my budget address is that we're leaving room to be able to do that. I fully expect that'll be something we discuss as part of the broader budget negotiations, it's something I've been committed to, and it's something I'm pleased to see the House Democrats taking really seriously. Just as I'm you pleased- You think they might come around? Absolutely. Just as I'm pleased to seeing the Senate Republicans take very seriously House proposals that they've put forth, like, for example, raising our minimum wage. The House passed a bill to raise it to $15 an hour. Senate Republicans have refused to move that, but they've shown a willingness to entertain it. So I think what you're seeing on both sides is a willingness to consider the proposals of those on the other side. And my job is to help create an opportunity to find that common ground. I think we're doing that uh, when it comes to giving these scholarships to kids in struggling school districts. You've said that it's time to invest in Pennsylvania. Um, I'm sure that you're aware that uh, Republicans here in the Capitol see things a little bit differently um, and do not feel that you're going about it in a responsible way. Uh, some of the things that you want to spend money on, like big investments in education, would need investments year after year. Um, so tell me how this would yeah. work. How long would you be able to make those kinds of investments yeah. without raising taxes, without looking for some other kind of revenue? Well, look, I, I get that there's some folks on the other side who put forth negative rhetoric. That, that's, I think they view it as their job to oppose anything I'm for. But let's just examine the facts. We are sitting on a $14 billion 
budget reserve. That means that they've taken $14 billion more from the good people of Pennsylvania than they've needed, and they're leaving it in a bank account here in Harrisburg. It's not a badge of honor to take more from the good people of Pennsylvania than you need. Now is the time to invest. And to put a finer point on this, if they were to adopt every proposal I put forth, and don't get me wrong, Lauren, I know there'll be give and take, but just for argument's sake, they adopted every proposal I put forth, we'd still have $11 billion left in our budget surplus This here. year, but what the about the next year and the next year and the, the next year? The bottom line is, now is the time to invest. I'm the only one as governor who has to put forth a five-year budget plan. It's required of us. There are no tax increases in that five-year plan that we're mandated to put forth. In fact, the only thing in there is we're cutting taxes so we can be more competitive from an economic development standpoint. So our budget is balanced. It maintains a rainy day fund, a surplus. It cuts taxes. It doesn't raise them. Now is the time to invest in the good people of Pennsylvania. And I've put forth thoughtful investments around education, around infrastructure, economic development, creating opportunity for folks, addressing some of our biggest challenges like gun violence in our communities, making sure we're sustaining things like mass transit, which are so critical for our communities, especially in southeastern Pennsylvania, making sure our school districts that have been woefully underfunded in the past see an increase. City of Philadelphia will see a nearly 15 percent increase in their school district. Now is the time to invest. I invite those on the other side of the aisle who have been critical of what I put forth to bring their ideas forward. But the answer can't simply be no. Now is the time to invest, and we do so in a fiscally responsible manner. And I know you look five years out. What about uh, beyond that? Obviously, you're going to want to continue to invest in education past that. Um, what would happen then? Look, I've got a long track record of fiscally responsible budgets. I don't think we need to take more from the good people of Pennsylvania. We need to invest in them right now and cut taxes. We can do both and make sure we still maintain a healthy rainy day fund. Let's talk about some of the specific things in your budget. Um, mass transit is one mm -hmm. where you're looking to make a big investment. Yep. That is uh, That would be significant for SEPTA in our area. Um, they are facing a, a fairly dire financial they situation. They've been clear about that. Uh, but there had been a proposal last year for a big investment uh, that would have benefited SEPTA, and it didn't get through. So what makes you think you can come to a deal now, only well, a few spent, months later? I spent months working with SEPTA to come up with an investment that I could propose that would include serious efforts on SEPTA's part to address safety and cleanliness and would stave off any fare hikes or any service cuts. We went back and forth for months and we settled on the proposal that I put forth. And SEPTA has made a commitment to safety, to cleanliness, no fare hikes and no service cuts if we can get this proposal through. I think this is a responsible proposal and it's the first time in more than a decade that the state would be poised to invest in mass transit. I think it's important to note you and I are speaking about SEPTA, obviously, given where your viewers are. But this would be an investment in mass transit all across Pennsylvania to the other mass transit agencies as well. What is the feedback that you're getting on the mass transit proposal? Do you think, uh, because this is such a sort of dire situation for SEPTA, whether that number goes down could be significant. Uh, what kind of feedback are you getting specifically on that? I think folks understand that it is really important to invest in our infrastructure, mass transit, roads and bridges, in order to have a strong economy, in order to be able to 
provide for the folks who live in these communities in order to be able to do big things. I mentioned in my budget address that we're poised to have the FIFA World Cup in 2026. We're poised to have the MLB All-Star Game that same year. We've got big events that are coming up. We rely on mass transit. So whether it's for our everyday use to get people to and from work, to their families, or whether it's to be able to do big things, we have to invest in mass transit and infrastructure. And I think that's going to be an area of uh, bipartisan agreement. You mentioned some commitments about um, cleanliness and safety. Uh, you, uh, you signed some legislation recently that would, um, that would have the attorney general uh, appoint a special prosecutor uh, for crimes that occurred on, on SEPTA property. Mm -hmm. uh, do you think that that will make riders and residents safer? I think we can accept the level of violence that we're seeing in Philadelphia or in other communities across Pennsylvania. And we need to make sure that we are making the critical investments to be able to address that. I'm one piece of that as governor. Obviously, we need leadership from local leaders, DAs, mayors, and others to be able to address violence. And I'm not speaking just in Philadelphia, I'm speaking across the board. When it comes to SEPTA, that was part of a broad bipartisan agreement between House Democrats, Senate Republicans, those are the leaders in our respective legislative chambers, to be able to advance more than 30 bills at the end of the last session. And it allows us to put more law enforcement resources into addressing crime in the city of Philadelphia. I think that's something that is important to do. It's had broad bipartisan support. But when it comes to the special prosecutor, do you think having, taking that power and giving it to a special prosecutor, will that make people safer? Well, as I said, well, first off, we're not taking away power. We are adding law enforcement resources. And I do think that that will have a positive benefit. You don't feel that that's taking any power from from the district attorney, Larry Krasner? I'm the former attorney general of Pennsylvania. We have concurrent jurisdiction with DAs in a whole range of cases. That's nothing new. Having that concurrent jurisdiction, bringing more law enforcement resources into the city of Philadelphia is a good thing. I think it is one piece, as I said before, of a broader effort we need to address violence in our communities. Mayor Parker has made addressing violence a, a key um, you know, platform of hers. I know she's got big ideas, so does Commissioner Bethel. You've seen some of that already in Kensington. The idea here is to bring more law enforcement resources. In my case as governor, we've proposed to invest $100 million in violence prevention programs by helping local organizations that are doing this work on the ground. The more we can do to address violence, the better. Just to be clear, <clears throat> there are people who feel like he's the elected DA, he was elected to do this job, putting somebody else in there and giving them a responsibility that would otherwise be his responsibility is taking power away from someone the voters voted for. You to don't see clear, it that way? I don't. It's concurrent jurisdiction, something that already exists in our laws. And it was voted on and passed by state representatives and senators from Philadelphia and the surrounds where SEPTA is to provide uh, that level of authority. And the attorney general is elected by the people of Pennsylvania as well. So look, I think this is something where we have to understand having concurrent jurisdiction, whether it's on the policing side or on the prosecutor side, to bring more resources to bear can lead to hopefully safer outcomes in our communities. Let's talk about something else in your budget proposal, which is a change to higher education, a new mm -hmm. system for higher education in, in Pennsylvania. Um, and it would move to a, a performance-based uh, um, model um, for, for funding. And, and I, I was thinking about um, something that you and I talked about um, 
not that long ago, which was the situation at Penn um, mm -hmm. and um, with the Penn president and what she had said in Washington um, and, and the concerns that you raised about that. And I wonder, that the outcomes that you're looking for, the metrics that you're using, would they include things like addressing anti-Semitism and things like that? Would that be one of the things that would be one of those performance metrics you're looking at? I think we certainly want to have um, students and faculty and staff feel safe and welcome on campus. Figuring out how to make that a metric will be up to the committee, this bipartisan committee and the working groups that we have Would to you determine want it in there, though? what those metrics are. Well, let me take a step back and explain how this would work. Um, we are 49th in the nation when it comes to higher education, literally 49th when it comes to our investment. What we're doing now isn't working. Our state system schools, think like a Westchester University, they're one of our state system schools. Um, overall, state system schools enrollment has been down 30% of the last decade. Our community colleges are down 37%. We're investing less um, than we have in, in the past. The bottom line is we need to change that. So I proposed bringing together our PASHI schools, our state system schools, and our community colleges so that they're no longer competing with one another, but actually working together to address the real workforce needs we have in our communities and providing a 15% increase to that new system. For our state-relateds, think Temple University, Penn State as examples of that, we would be not only increasing their funding by 5%, but then having these performance metrics that you talk about. I think those performance metrics are things like, how are our values reflected in the admissions? For example, how many first-generation college students are these schools enrolling? Or on the flip side of that, how many graduates are staying in Pennsylvania after they graduate? That's something important to us. When it comes to academic measures, um, as an example, how many nurses are we graduating? We don't have enough nurses, we need our colleges to help promote that. Then the third piece of this is how do we make this more affordable? So we'll be putting significant resources into affordability. A median income family or a student, as an example, would not have to pay more than $1,000 to go to one of our state-supported universities. If you choose to go to a Temple or Penn State, you'll see higher FIA grants available to you. The bottom line is we want to make it affordable and accessible, and for Pennsylvanians, who don't send a loved one there, don't attend there themselves, they need to know that the outcomes from those universities are gonna benefit them. Whether it's by virtue of um, uplifting communities that have oftentimes been left out, or graduating people who are gonna help strengthen our communities across Pennsylvania. The working group is going to determine what those metrics are, but the good people of Pennsylvania need to know that their tax dollars are going to, use wise, going to be used wisely. We're going to invest again. If we simply do what I proposed in my budget address, and again, I fully expect to get Republican and Democratic feedback and find common ground there, but if we simply do what I proposed in the next five years, we'll go from being 49th in the nation in higher ed to 22nd. We need to move forward. Now is the time to invest. I, I want to... Um move from that and, and ask you a little bit about where we are in this moment um, in 2024. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, we have seen President Biden visit the state multiple times yeah. already early in this year. Um, we also have seen him met with protests both here and elsewhere uh, when it comes to um, the Israel-Hamas war mm -hmm. and uh, what's been happening in Gaza. Um, 
How big of an issue do you think that is for him? Look, I, I think folks who are coming out and peacefully protesting, um, who, are, who are righteously speaking out on things that they believe in and care about, that's a good thing for our democracy, whether I particularly agree with their point of view uh, or not. I, I expect that they'll continue to do that, and they should do it peacefully, and they should do it thoughtfully, um, as have been the protests that I have seen when I've been with the president. I don't know what that's going to look like as a political issue when it comes time to voting this it fall. It could be one, though. I do think that um, the president understands that we can't stand for the type of terror that Hamas brought to Israel on October 7th, that we can't allow Hamas to be living next to Israel, our ally, our democratic ally in the Middle East, um, and fomenting hate and bringing about terrorism every day. We wouldn't stand for that on our borders here in the United States. I think the president has been right to stand up to Hamas, a terrorist group. I also think the president has been right to stand up to Benjamin Netanyahu, someone who I think is a horrible leader who's been steering Israel in a very dangerous uh, direction. I'm someone who believes we need to have a two-state solution, and now is the time to try and focus on bringing that about. The way that that is accomplished is by Hamas releasing uh, these terrorists, by Hamas either being destroyed or going into exile, and then allowing some sort of governmental leadership in Gaza and the West Bank to be working with Israel to create a sustainable peace in the Middle East. Another uh, another issue that um, President Biden could be facing uh, in Pennsylvania uh, as he talks to voters is, is just simply how people are feeling about their own situation right now. Mm -hmm. um, and some people are feeling like maybe they're not doing as well as they were doing when President Trump was in office when it comes to their personal finances and paying for groceries, for example. How do you fight it against that? When Donald Trump was president, um, this country was in a state of chaos seemingly every day. Our but some people may not use that as their measure of are, how to vote. I think that's a fair question. Let, let me address it. Uh, I don't think that the good people of Pennsylvania want to go back to that level of chaos where Donald Trump was in your living room every day um, making people feel worried and anxious, putting us in a position where our democracy was being threatened day in and day out. I understand the point that you're raising, and it is a fair one, that folks also see the rising costs of goods and services that they rely on every day, and that's unacceptable. It's one of the reasons why here as governor, I've worked hard to cut costs for people. We found bipartisan consensus, back to where our conversation began here today, to cut taxes for seniors for the first time in 20 years, of the largest expansion in our child care uh, tax credit ever in the history of Pennsylvania. So families and seniors get more money back in their pockets. I challenged lawmakers here in Pennsylvania to cut costs further when it comes to health care as an example, another area where we're seeing rising costs. We're proving that we can cut costs here in Pennsylvania. I think the president has shown that he has cut costs and improved the economy. He's got to make that case to folks who are worried. I think they're right to be worried, and it's something we're going to have to work on over the course of the next many months for folks to understand the progress that we've made under President Biden and also to understand the kind of chaos that Donald Trump is prepared to inflict on this Commonwealth. Let me give you just one example of that. The former president has said he wants to end what is commonly referred to as Obamacare. 
That would mean 1.2 million Pennsylvanians would lose their health insurance. They would see skyrocketing costs when it, come to, when it would come to getting health care for them or a loved one. Or they would go seek health care in emergency rooms and elsewhere, which would drive up the cost of health care for you and I and, and others out there who are insured. That kind of economic chaos that the former president would bring to Pennsylvania is not a direction I hope we want to go in. And I'm going to do everything I can in my political power to make that case. Last thing as we wrap up, and I hope that we do get to talk about um, this election more. I know you're going to be uh, around the state and you see a lot of things. I hope we get to talk about what you're seeing and hearing and, and talking to people about. Um, if Donald Trump wins this presidential race, if Joe Biden wins this presidential race, would that have any bearing on what you do in 2028 and whether you run for president? I'm, I'm really focused on doing this job that I love. I mean, I, I am flattered and grateful that people think the work that we are doing here in Pennsylvania is something that would be beneficial uh, to the good people of this country. But I'm focused like a laser beam on moving the ball forward here on getting stuff done every day. We've put a ton of points on the board in just my first year in office. I put out an ambitious budget to address education, economic development, public safety, and much more. My focus is on getting this stuff done for the good people of Pennsylvania and not worrying about the politics of the future. Governor Shapiro, thank you for your time. Thank you, Lauren. That was my interview with Pennsylvania Governor Josh Shapiro. You can find more Battleground Politics on NBC10.com slash Battleground Politics or wherever you get your podcasts.